Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Thank you, praise team. Amen. Haven't they blessed us today? Praise God, we're blessed by our music department. Remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. We welcome all of our guests and everyone that is tuned in online today. We welcome you. We certainly wish you could be here, whether you're out of state or you're home sick or quarantined or trying to be safe. We're so glad that you've tuned in today. And our whole church is glad that you're a part of this service in some way today. Everyone in the building, thank you for being here. What a tremendous social distance crowd here today. We believe in safety. We believe in taking things serious. We also believe in a move of the Spirit of God. We need His presence. What some people last night were trying to get out of a bar room, we found sufficiency in His presence today. Somebody at a crack house, somebody at a gambling, somebody somewhere trying to fulfill something that continues to leave them empty. Colossians 2.9, and we believe God's Word is the final authority. Colossians 2 9 says, We are complete in Him. Acts 2 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Filled, complete, saturated. One place talks about the baptism of the Spirit. You know what that means? Complete covering of. God has filled us, satisfied us. Amen. How many of you have been satisfied? Oh, let there be a hearty amen in the building. Praise God. In 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, I want to ask the church to participate with something with me. I came home yesterday, and uh, my wife said our neighbor's house burnt down. The McLeans, they live two doors down from me. She's 92, her son is 66. Her other son that lived there just passed away just about a month ago. And, um, and I want us to be a blessing to them. And so you can give toward that. I'm going to take them a check to help them. And, and sometimes it takes a little while for insurance to kick in. And they lost everything. She's 92, barely got out of the house. When he came home, there was smoke coming out. And he got her out and the house, just went up just like that. Matter of fact, they had to come back yesterday and put it out again. Um, and uh, I, I want you to pray for the McLean family. But if you want to give to that, you can just earmark online or on an envelope. If you want to give something, feel, just be led of the Lord. We trust that. And uh, we're going to bless this family and help them get through. Brother Johnny Crabb was telling me that when he was a boy on Christmas Eve, their house burnt down and the church has helped. He never forgot that. And uh, we want to be a blessing. Pastor Cody said it so well that we're not looking for the community to help us. God has blessed us to help them. Isn't that true? Hey, we've been blessed. Everybody take your hands and do just like that. I realize you just bumped into your neighbor. But when God blesses us, he doesn't give us just enough. Our cup runneth over. He never gives me just enough for me. The Bible says he gives so you can bless others with. How many agree with that today? And so uh, we want to pray. Let's pray for the McLean family. God, I ask you to touch them today. You would move on their behalf and give them strength, God, during this loss. Pray for Miss McLean and Jerry, her son, that you would help them in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Um, we want to pray for Mike and Debbie Tehi today. Very critical day for them. Uh, a lot of decisions have to be made today. And... and uh, we want to pray that God would, his will would be done in Debbie's life. And we know that there's a home beyond this land. And uh, it's appointed unto man wants to die. We want to see her make it, but we also trust God to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We want to pray that God would give Mike strength today to make every decision he needs to make. And we want to pray for that. Um, Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray for Mike and Debbie. We do believe that you hear our prayers. And God, that their needs would be met. 
I pray for comfort and pray for strength over Brother Mike and Sister Debbie, faithful, godly people. I just pray you would give their sons strength and their grandchildren in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody says amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1. Everybody say Josiah was eight years old. Now look at your neighbor and say, that's, that's really young. He was eight years old when he began to reign. I probably wouldn't vote in an eight-year-old president or a pastor. And he reigned 30, 31 years in Jerusalem. It goes on to say in verse 2, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. What does that mean? He stayed righteous. How many want to stay right with God? It says on down, it says that, verse 3, that it says that he sent them to the house of the Lord. And, and when you go to verse 8, it says when they went to the house of the Lord, they, they started working on it, cleaning it up, fixing the walls, fixing the windows, fixing the doors. They were straightening up. They were putting back in order the house of God. Verse 8 says, And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law. Wow. I found it. I have found the book of the law. Sort of like this. I found the truth. I have found the way. I have found the direction. I have found what has been missing for so many years. Where did he find it? In the house of the Lord. I'd like to preach today that you can find the truth in the house of the Lord. Would you clap your hands and praise him for his word? How many thank God for his word? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you today as you are seated. I'll never forget sitting in a class, geometry, with all, with all of its theories. I can't say I learned a lot in geometry in my sophomore year of high school. Um, I can't say that I liked it a whole lot. But I'll never forget something my teacher said, and, and uh, somehow biblical discussion came up in geometry. And she said, well, it really doesn't matter how you interpret the Scripture. You can just interpret it for yourself. I was just a sophomore, 15 years old, and I thought to myself, that's not true. That's not true. But our generation that we live in, I remember being in college in a dynamics class. And I remember the professor making this statement. He said, he, he wrote on the board, how many of you believe that truth is relative? Truth is relative. That means that what truth is to you can be different from what truth is to you. But it's your truth, and it's separate than your truth. The same subject, but you can interpret it how you want. Truth is relative. It, I mean, it's an oxymoron in reality because truth is truth. It doesn't matter what your opinion of it is. And he said, how many of you believe that truth is relative? 80% of my class raised their hand and said truth was relative. 20% of the class said that truth is absolute, meaning no matter your opinion of it, Truth is truth. To say that truth is relative is for it to not be truth. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. You have to be careful in a generation that has been indoctrinated that truth is up to you. If truth is up to you, then you are your own leader. You are your own God. You are your own pastor. And when truth is relative, there's no need for authority. 
there's no need. So, so statements come up, and I realize that maybe the police force, I'm not trying to be political, but police force maybe needs some uh, uh, reform and maybe some changes. I think maybe there's some error in that it's somewhere. I'm, I'm not saying that, but we are politicized to say get rid of the police. Defund the police. It makes no sense to me. I don't care your opinion. That just bothers me right there. To say we need no authority, no keepers of peace. And what I'm saying is, all of a sudden, we don't need a boss. We don't need a parent. We don't need authority. I remember when I was growing up, when you got on the school bus, you would, you would call him Mr. All of a sudden, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, has been thrown out the window. Why? We have made everybody on the same level. Because truth is to me what I want truth to be. And I come to tell you, the Bible says rebuke, not an elder. It says to respect those that are in authority over you. What I'm saying to you, we have to be careful that the, the narrative of our culture doesn't slip into the church that says, I need no God, I need no word, and I need no direction. I will just find it. And that is what happened in Scripture. There was a man by the name of Jeroboam. When you study him, he went away from truth. He started doing his own thing. Started living out his own life. Leading people away from God. I'm just going to stop here and say that if we do not have God, we have no moral foundation. The only reason to separate from right and wrong and truth from ungodliness is to remove God from the picture. He is my reason for doing right. He's my reason for saying no to some things. He's my reason for keeping a good attitude. He's my reason for staying moral. It is God's word. And because I want to be moral, I have to ask the question, what is moral and what is immoral what is right or what is unrighteous what is godly or what is ungodly can I tell you he didn't leave us in this generation just to try to figure it out for ourselves Paul said when I would do good evil's present with me why there is sin in my members even as your pastor I must keep my spirit in check to make sure that I'm right with God not based upon Plato or Socrates or some uh, 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 ideology of modern culture. No, no, no. Just somebody that's throwing ideas out there. How do I know I'm right? How do I know I'm who I'm supposed to be? How do I know what I'm doing as a parent? How do I know what I'm doing as a citizen? I must look into the perfect law of liberty. It is God's word that defines who I am. Can I say today that we need truth? One person in the scripture, they said, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way. <laughs> I am the truth. And I am the life. Can I tell you that Jesus is my example? Jesus is my, is the one I worship. The Bible says you become like unto that which you worship. I want you to hear me today. Jesus is my example of who I want to be like, who I want to make decisions like, who I want to live like, and I, I want to be like him. Come on, is there anybody in the building that says, I want to be like Jesus? Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody shout the truth. And so what happened was is Jeroboam took them away from truth and they started offering incense on altars that belonged to the Lord. In Bethel, meant the house of God. They turned the house of God into a, a house of idolatry and wickedness and perversion and confusion and chaos. We live in a confused world, do we not? Come on, do we live in a confused world? Oh my, we are not where we used to be. It used to be in the early 1900s. The center and the church weren't that far apart. Morality has went out the window. And you look what happened to Jeroboam. And he led them away. And all of a sudden this man shows up. And, and he, he walks up to where they're worshiping. And Jeroboam's trying to get some direction, it appears, on, a, on this false this altar that's been made false. And, and he comes up and a, and a young man prophesies. And he says, he says, oh, altar, altar upon you. Abominations will be destroyed. A 
up on you. The bones of the priest that led people away from truth are going to be destroyed. And his name, there is one coming. His name is Josiah. And Josiah is going to do right in the eyes of the Lord. There's a baby coming. Let me just put it this way. There's a generation coming. Oh, I said it's on the way. It's going to show up in the midst of chaos and confusion and discord and hatred and violence. There's a baby on the way. There's a generation that's coming that's going to love me and is going to hate evil. Can you say amen? 300 years later, there's a baby born. His name is Josiah, just like the prophet said. His name over 300 years later. Uh, and, and Josiah is born. And when he is crowned king, he is only eight years old. Look at your neighbor and say, that's awful young. It seems young, but when I think they crowned him king at eight years old, to me, it shows the need of urgency on something to happen right now until later. It shows me the urgency. We need him now. There's a prophecy over him that there's going to be a revival. Why wait till he's 52? Why wait till he's 35? Why wait till he's 18 and graduated from high school? Why wait till he's 25 and got a degree in education? We need him now. If God's prophesied it, God's put it in him. God's put something inside of that boy to do great. I want you to know, I realize it appears our world is going to hell. It appears our world is going away from God. But I also know that in the last days, God's going to have a generation that's going to stand for righteousness. There's a baby that has been He said that he would not come until truth has went all the way around the world. You listen to me. You better be careful to listen to Fox News and CBS and MSNBC and CNN to get the report of our world. They're going to tell you everything's bad. But you listen to this preacher. God has always had a church. He's always had a generation that will love him over evil. I said he's always had a church. I said he's always had a church. Come on, elbow your neighbor and say, you can't stop the church. Josiah means Jehovah will bring healing. There's a generation, Brother Jeremy, that's going to rise up, that's going to bring healing to this nation. They will not make it into the newscast. You're not going to hear them shouted out, oh, from the news anchors. But in the midst of this nation, there is a group of young people that say, I want God over ungodliness. I want righteousness over unrighteousness. I want the truth over relative ideas. Come on. Am I preaching to anybody? Come on, I'm a pastor, I understand. We had an event a few years ago. They filled up basketball arenas, young people from all over the country. Basketball arena, until they couldn't get any more people in the building, had to have overflows. They realized it was too big for that, so they said, I'm I'm not talking about a party like, like some entertainment. It's not entertainment, this National Youth Convention. It's not entertainment. When they go there, they go there to hear truth. They go there to hear preaching. I'm telling you, you have a youth event, whose preaching matters? Because they're not going there just for the singing, they're going there to hear truth. 19,000, they shouted so loud in the altar of prayer. It was the loudest recorded volume ever recorded in that arena. The loudest. You know what they were doing? They were calling upon the name of God. More than any event in that building they ever had, there was a shout that came forth from a generation I call Josiah generation that are hungry for the things of God. There is a generation that they do not want to be addicted to alcohol. They do not want to be in debt. They do not want to be stressed out with the things of life. There's a generation that says, I want to be blessed by God. I want God to be my king. I want God to lead my life. I want God to lead my family. Come on, I'm going to preach it. I'm telling you, I know what I feel. I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm talking about everybody that's in this building, no matter your age. You're a part of a generation that has a love for the things of God. They fill that up. They say, we can't have it in basketball arenas any longer. Oklahoma Thunder 
They can't have it there any longer. So they took it to the Lucas Oil Stadium in, Indiana, in Indianapolis. They went there and they had, had it there. What was there? 34,000. Then they went to St. Louis Rams Stadium and I think they had, what was it, 36,000? Is that right? 36,000 in that arena. Young people gathering for a church service. Don't let people tell you young people do not want to go to church. It's not true. You give me a church that preaches truth. You give me a church that has a move of God. Young people are going to go. The average age of this church is 29. Ah, you can be seated. I was getting ready to have all the elders to stand up, but I was afraid some of you wouldn't be honest, so be seated. Carol, you're too young to be standing. Won't you have a seat, Carol? You too. But don't tell your age. You'll regret it later. Can I say something to everyone in this room that's elder? You can't have a church that remains the same in methods and grow a church. I'm, I appreciate our old songs, but you can't sing all the old songs and grow a church. I heard it said recently, and I will repeat it. Every adult, every elder should promote change within the church. We can't sing Gray Speckled Bird and have young people. I come to the garden alone. Bump, bump. Where the dew, bump, bump. Still on the rose, bump, bump. I remember going to church when you had the two beat. Bump, 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 bump. You're not going to go to church with a bump, bump. <laughs> Young people will come and be like, what's this? Where's the banjo? I was in a meeting one time. They said, we're going to have good music tonight. They went and got the accordion out. I don't know if there's anybody under 52 that stayed in that room. I'm helping you. Because if you're going to have an eight-year-old king, you've got to listen to the eight-year-old. And I'm going to tell all you young people, when we get out the bump, bump song to make everybody feel good like me, don't you sit there like a knot on log, like, I ain't going to worship because that's not modern. You get on your feet and praise God because you're not here because of the song anyhow. I'm talking about getting together in the church. Well, I don't like the new song. The Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. You've got to be creative in music. You've got to be creative. Come on, you've got to have decor changes. I remember when green was in and mob. It's not in, it's out. Thank God for a wife, first lady, that could see the future, amen, and modernize the building. Listen to me preach. I know what I've come to preach today. We've got to be willing to change methods, but there's one thing we're never going to change. We will not change the truth. You've got to have truth if you're going to have a church. You've got to have the Word of God if you're going to have a church. You give me a church that stops preaching truth, I'll see a church that'll die. I'll see a church that goes into the world, but you get me a church that'll preach the truth. I said we need the truth. I love good singing. It sets the stage for the prophet to prophesy. It sets the stage and the atmosphere for the truth to be delivered. But you can't replace truth with good music, good singing. We've got to have it, good singing and good music, but we've got to have truth preaching too. So if you can get with the choir, you ought to get with the preacher. If you can sing songs with the singers, come on, jump to your feet and help me preach this for a minute. You've got to get it going and worship with the preacher. Thank God for the truth. Somebody shall thank God for the truth. Elbow your neighbor and say, the truth will set you free. Truth. Be seated. So you got to understand that Josiah was eight years old. I felt, I'm going to say it again, reiterate it. I believe it was an urgency. We need him now. 
See, there's something about when you look at crowning him king, they, they, they made him king. But you got to understand that, that there's something special about this young man. He was prophesied. He was destined to turn a nation around, a generation around. I don't look at you young people as just church attendees. I don't look at this church as just attendees. You're a generation that God has called in the end time. You've been preserved for now. There's never been a greater generation than the present generation. At Purdue University, they, they created something called hybridized seed. And how many's ever heard of hybridized seed? Hybridized seed, what they can do, they can take a grain of corn, they can, they can change sort of the DNA of that corn, and they can plant that corn in Canada. And in Canada, that seed can flourish in a short seasoned climate. They can take corn, they can hybridize it. That will help me preach today. They can hybridize corn. They can plant it in Arizona where it's a drier climate and that seed will flourish. Turn to Psalms chapter one. Put it on the screen for me today. Psalms one and one. Let's look and see what it says. Now you have to understand I'm preaching about the body. I'm preaching about the church. Talking about a Josiah generation, a generation in the midst of an ungodly generation. Let's look and see what it says. Are you ready? Blessed is the man... Read it with me. Let's read it in concert. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Watch. A generation that will love truth. A generation that will love his law. Deuteronomy says you need to talk about it in your house when you come in and when you go out. When you lie down and when you sitteth in the house, the law should be discussed. The word of God should be talked about. It's more important than your sitcom. Young people, it's more important than your video game. Conquering another level, that doesn't matter. The word matters. And it says, and in his law doth he meditate. Everybody shout day and night. How many of you love the word? Come on, how many of you love the word? Look at verse three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Read on. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper who's he talking about he's talking about the church that loves his word he said when everything else is drying up and the withering of the way the church is going to flourish and his leaf will not wither when God made Josiah he made somebody that was going to live in adversity that's why, go back to the hybridized seed. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. What I'm saying to you today, you were born in an evil hour, but God has hybridized you to flourish in a land of immorality, a land of unrighteousness. Come on, a generation of impurity. God has a church. I said, God has a church. Somebody shout, we are the church. I want this side to shout, we are. You shout, the church. Shout, we are. Shout it again. The church. And the church wasn't made to fail. The church wasn't made to break. The church was made to be alive and to flourish in the hour of adversity. Come on, jump to your feet and help me preach for a minute. I said the church was built to flourish in a land of adversity. You know what they did? They threw it in the lion's den, but the lions couldn't eat it. They took three Hebrew children. They threw them in a fiery furnace, but the fire couldn't burn it. I come to tell you, you can't stop what God's put in motion. Josiah is here. There's a generation that's going to do a powerful work for God. Oh, clap your hands and shout unto the Lord. We are. 
weak. He told Joshua, you be courageous. For I'm going to prosper you as I did Moses. God didn't church for the church to be, intend for the church to be weakened. He said, I'm going to have a generation that's going to stand up. That's going to destroy the abominations. It's going to bring up righteousness before me. Be seated. Everybody shout, we are the church. I'm stirred today. I said, I'm stirred. We are the apple of his eye. We are the sons and daughters of God. We have his DNA. And he overcame the world. I'm preaching to a a kickback that I feel. That says, I don't know if I can make it. You can't, but by the grace of God, you will. There's a strength that's going to come over the body. There's going to come an unction and a fear of God and conviction that God's going to baptize his body with. You will not waver to the left hand. You will not waver to the right hand because what God put in you didn't come from mom and daddy. It came from his spirit. It came from the Holy Spirit. When God puts his truth in Come on, you're not going to want to go to the left or to the right. You're not going to want to compromise. I'll tell you what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to worship him. You're going to want to follow him. You're going to want to be led by him. Everybody shout, truth is absolute. He didn't waver from it. He sought for it. My teacher told me, she said, truth, truth is relative. It's not relative. The Bible says to some it's a rock of offense. It's a stone of stumbling because when you hear truth now you're accountable to it please understand that when you read the word or hear the word it's not always going to make you feel good Josiah the Bible says all scripture is not given by it's not given by private interpretation it's not given by man's opinion It's given by inspiration. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's of no private interpretation. What does that mean? That means that God spoke to them and they wrote it down as God said it. I'm going to say it again. 66 books of the Bible written by 40 different authors, three different continents. Thousands of years in between when the first person wrote the first book, last person wrote it. Three different languages. Everybody from a peasant to kings. And yet it fits perfectly together as the inerrant, irrefutable, indisputable law of God. You do a great service to yourself by getting in it. Say, who am I supposed to be? Because you're lost if his word has been hid from you. For if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. To not know his word is to be lost now and for eternity. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. It would be a scary thing to stand before God and he say, why'd you live a life of sin? Why, why didn't you? Well, you know, I... I was just busy. I didn't have time. You know, I, the Bible says you'll be speechless before God. And he's going to judge every single man according to their works. How about verses like this? Jesus, and I quote Jesus. Somebody told me one time, they said, well, I can believe that part of the Bible because it's in red letters. You better be careful. It's always book. Jesus said, except, I want everybody to listen to me. No one walk out of this building right now. Except ye repent, Luke 13 and 3 and verse 5. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish with the most evil people in the world if you don't repent. And when you study Josiah, what's neat about Josiah, everybody said he was destined for greatness. And he started seeking the Lord at, at, in his 13th year 
of his kingship, he started seeking God. He'd have been about 21 years old. He started seeking the face of God. Somewhere in seeking the face of God, they started cleaning up the house of God. See, when you start seeking God, God's house always becomes priority. The need to be with the people of God, around the things of God, in a separated place. He commissioned them to go fix the house of God. It seemed to have had been um, neglected, negligence. In his 18th year of his kingship, they found something in the house of God. It's amazing that it took 18 years of him being king for them to actually find the most valuable thing in the kingdom. You see, because when you stop prioritizing the things of God, the word of God, what seemed to be a near truth becomes a lost fable. It becomes lost. It, what you don't realize is that when God's word becomes lost, you are lost. Evil is in the land. At that time, they worshipped all kinds of gods. It was, you just choose whatever God you want to choose. Like doctrines of Scientology that says that you're your own God. I, I don't know why I'm so heavy here, but... I'm certainly not going to follow some person from Hollywood that lives immorality, um, immoral life and tell me what to do with my life. But that's what our generation has been taught to do. As, as long as they've got 30 million followers and they're, 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 they're good at what they do, then you know, I'm going to listen to what they have to say. They're, they're, how, how many times have we seen them that they don't even want to live? They take their own life, but they're idolized in a culture that says that's what everybody's following. The Bible says straight is the gate. Hear me today. I'm passionate. I'm not a bit angry. I'm just stirred here this morning. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way which leads to life. But few there be that find it. But how about the verse that says straight is the gate. Broad is the way. There's no boundaries there. You do whatever you want to do. And it leads to destruction. And I ask yourself a question here today. Are you happy? Do you have peace in your life? Do you want to look forward to tomorrow? I'm going to tell you because Christians that walk with God, there's this, there's this hope that's inside of them. There's this joy that's unspeakable. There's this peace that passes all understanding. Because we're on the right road. We've got the right truth. We've got the light in the dark hour. My, my. And Josiah, Josiah was seeking God. He was 26 years old. When all of a sudden, when, when Hilkiah the priest came down and said, Shushan, who was the scribe, who was the copier, the scribe in the Bible, that was the copy machine. That was the handwriting. He came, he said, I found something. I found something. Shushan, I found something. I found something. Come here, Sawyer. Run up here. Hey, I found something. Look, look. This is what it is. Open, open, open. They would have had it. It was in scrolls. But look what it is. It's the law of God. It's what God expects of us. It's God's view of my life. It's God's decision making for my world. It's what God would have me to do. I had a cousin one time that worked on race cars. And, uh, any of you like racing? Any, anybody in the room like racing? Three of you? They say it's the most followed sport there is. Any NASCAR fans here? We just debunked that theory. That's a great followed sport. My cousin was working a, my cousin would work on race cars for a guy. He somehow was able to always tune it very good, and he, he got too busy, could no longer work on race cars. So this guy hired a professional mechanic. He put all the latest bells and whistles and the chromed out, you know, chromed out pieces, and it was looking super good and sounding good. But when he got on the racetrack, he couldn't compete. He couldn't keep up. The car didn't run like it used to. After one of the races, this professional that was hired for a lot of money came, and, and he said, he said, Jay! He called him on the phone. He said, Jay, I, I'm a little troubled. He said, you know, I've been working with so-and-so's cars. He said, it's not running the way they say you had it running. He said, how did you get it to run so well? He said, I followed the owner's manual. He said, I got to the manual of the vehicle. He said, the designer who designed it knows exactly how to tune it for it to run at its top performance. Just get back in the book. 
You can try to put all the bells and whistles of culture on your life if you want to, but you're not going to run as good as you should. But if you get back in the book, you get back in the Word, you will find the joy. You're going to find the peace of God. Let's all stand to our feet. Get back in the book. Get back in the book. Look at your neighbor and say, get in the book. I'm almost finished here today. But I come to you with a fervency like I haven't felt in a long time. I preached last night. I preached this morning. I'm preaching right now. And I'm so stirred to the core. Because if we're not careful, we will fall into a generation that is professional. But they don't have the book. Come here. Come here, scribe. Come here, Shushan. Bring me the word. Somebody shout, get back in the book. And the Bible says, Josiah, read it to me, he said. He started reading the word when he read the law of God. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles that when he heard it, he fell to his knees. Thank you for helping me. He rent his clothes and he repented. I didn't know. Everybody say, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know it was wrong. I didn't know we were doing it wrong. I'm talking about a man that had a repentant heart that had never heard truth. But when his repentant heart heard truth, he didn't reject it. Oh, God. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to stand before God with sin in my life. Lord, change my heart. Change my life. Change my mind. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I don't want to be a sinner. Everybody say, I don't want to be a sinner. It moved God. The Bible calls that act that he humbled himself before the Lord. Don't let pride keep you from responding to truth. There's a lot of people that live better because they heard truth. But when they heard it, they said, I didn't didn't know I needed to be baptized. I never heard of that. I didn't know I needed to repent of my sins. I, I didn't know I was supposed to go to the house of God. Oh, I'm sorry, God. How many of you were sinners, but when you heard the word, you responded? He gets up. He gets his leaders together and said, I want you to call everybody together. He said, we got to tell the whole nation about it. He called an assembly. He had him to stand for the entire reading of the word of the Lord. He said, we need to repent. Let's hear the word. Somebody shout, preach to me, preacher. Do you want my thoughts or do you want the word? It's a fearful thing to stand before an angry God when right now he's a loving God. I don't want to reject truth. It is not by accident that you're here. See, when he repented, when he heard the word, watch this. This is Christianity 101. Are you ready? He wanted everybody to hear the word of God. That's why we have Mission Sunday, because we propagate the gospel. We preach the gospel. We send missionaries all over the world. We got missionaries going out to Coshocton today, Cambridge, New Lex, Connellsville this week, all over Gloucester. Why? Because we understood it was the word that set us free. How many want to take the gospel with you? Can I motivate you to open the word in your home? Open it to your heart. There's no book like it. It's alive. Somebody shout, it's alive. Doesn't matter if you were in 1447 and in the jungles of India, when you preach it, it works. You go to Africa and in the 17th century and preach it and it worked. You could go to the UK in 1942 and preach it and worked. You could go to Topeka, Kansas, January the 1, 1900. And the Holy Ghost fell when they got in the Word. Man, listen, we got to get back to the value of His Word. Every Ivy League school was started as a Bible college. They were Bible colleges. Most major universities we find originally back, they started because people wanted to know His 
word. What was the first words off of Gutenberg's printing press? It was the Bible. What was the first words over the radio waves? It was the Bible. When the president is sworn into office, what will he put his hand on? When they go to the courtroom and they are, they are having a witness to, I solemnly swear to tell the truth with their hand on truth. Don't let modern day culture and media tell you that the word is not a part of our nation. It is a part of our nation. It's a part of our nation. They might be going away from it, but it's still the foundation of our country. Everybody say, I need his word. I had something to happen recently. And uh, just remain standing as I come to a close. The Lord is reaching for you. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God's reaching for you today. I was, as many of you knew, I had, a couple months ago I had, I had COVID-19. Took me time to recover from that. And because uh, they treated me for pneumonia, had a hard time breathing. But I was getting better and, and uh, I'm still somewhat weak. And I went to go to a funeral a family member and on the way down I-77 I uh, began to have trouble breathing and was somewhat gasping for breath the further I went south the worse I became Cindy and I had already made plans to go to Chick-fil-A that just makes me happy food make anybody happy it just makes me happy I used to like it, I love it Thanksgiving's on the way, glory to God. He said, I could be a glutton on Thanksgiving. Pumpkin pie. Pecan pie. Or pecan pie, whatever you want. 14 cups of coffee. Where are we going to go eat? I preached up an appetite. We're headed south. Plans to stop in Charleston. All of a sudden, I became overwhelmed, Brother Bill. Overwhelmed! Felt like I was going to pass out finally. I kept it away from her as long as I could. And I finally said, Cindy, you need to hold my hand. I said, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm very, very, I'm lightheaded. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I said, I have to get off the next exit, which happened to be Ravenswood. And uh, she's a great wife. I love you, Cindy. She says, you know, trying to save my life, I'm sure she says, well, they got Oreo blizzards there. She's trying to keep me awake, I think, to save her own life. I was driving. You can get a hot dog with coleslaw. Man, she's know how to wake me up, glory to God. I was having trouble breathing, pulled off the exit. What I haven't told you is that that morning, a pastor from Huntington, West Virginia, sent me a name of a friend that I've known for 30 years. He said, I heard they were going to come to church this Sunday. Would you pray that God will just move upon his life? That was that same morning. Haven't heard from that pastor since January. And I pulled off the exit. When I pulled into Dairy Queen, there he was. The man that was requested, the man that had been requested prayer for. My friend of 30 years, out of the church for 10. He's standing, first person I see is him. I pulled up in my pickup truck, rolled my window down, had my ball cap on, and I heard her say, Hey, Aaron, is that you? I said, Yeah. I said, Man, I was going to call you today. I said, Let's go inside and eat. We sat down. He wasn't even supposed to get off that exit. He does sales and random. He decided to stop at that exit. I was supposed to be on my way to Chick fil A. I'm at Dairy Queen because somebody needs to hear truth. You can't tell me that's an accident, a coincidence. Honey, you were there. Actually, I walked, went in there, sat down, and I said, you know the Lord has sent me to you today. I said, the Lord is calling you to come home. His return is very soon. He said, I know it, but it's hard. What will people say? What will people do when I return? And Cindy spoke up and she started giving him a word from the Lord and telling him how to come back as she came back in her younger years. She started giving him a word. Tears began to roll down his face. We started praying. The Spirit of the Lord began to move at a Dairy Queen. You know why? Because God's not a respecter of persons. I'm telling somebody, His mercies are renewed every morning. God's not done with you. He's not. His word says to repent. 
you can get right with God again. I hear the voice of somebody saying, I just want to be right with God. I want peace in my life. I'm tired of the anger and the frustration. I don't want that any longer. Come on, maybe you're watching online right now. I come to tell you, if you'll call in the name of the Lord, the Lord's going to set you free. He has sent me to preach this message to you. Come on, Josiah, repent. Come on, you've heard the word. Now respond. He's speaking words. He's speaking life to you. Every hand lifted if you could. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, I want to be right with you today. I don't want to waver to the left of the law. I don't want to waver to the right of the law. I'm asking you, God, today to lead me to repentance. Let me find that place. Let me find that place. Pastor Cody, I want you to come. You're going to lead us in prayer. Come on, all over the building, there's repentance. All over this building, there's a word. All of you young people, God has called you. You say, but I've, I've sinned. I've done things wrong. You listen to this preacher. We've all sinned and done things wrong. But we repented and God forgave us and healed us because we humbled ourselves before Him. Come on, everybody in the building, begin to pray. God, I want your law as the apple of my eye. heard truth today in Acts chapter 10 when the truth came to Cornelius' house there was a response there was a response of Cornelius and his home the Bible says that they were filled with the spirit of God what the preacher had preached about was obeyed in their practice you have a chance to respond to the truth that you have heard today doesn't matter I don't know if you're comfortable if you're comfortable to come to this altar or you can stay where you are if you're not comfortable to come to this altar. That's fine. But we have to respond to the truth that we have heard today. I want you to lift your hands toward heaven. If you're comfortable to come to this altar and, and the word has preached to you today, I want you to come right now. If you're not comfortable coming, I want you to lift both of your hands. Lift your hand and close your eyes right where you are and call on the Lord. Surrender your will to him today. Surrender. Surrender to his truth today. I don't know what to do. It's, it's surrender. It's surrender. Not my will, but yours, Lord. But your will be done. I, I don't have truth. It's not going to be relative in my life anymore. I will obey your word. Come on, respond right now. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.